1: engineering your success
0: fly ball back into center Pilar's going to have to go to the wall that ball is gone Rays have two runs now home run to center by wilson ramos and it's two nothing tampa bay wilson ramos homers
1: to center his eighth home run of the year That's- are amazing, 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 amazing. There's a fly ball hit on to the left, waiting is Jones, the Mets of the World Champion. Here's the one-two pitch. Take him out. Steve has 19 strikeouts. Strung out, hit on the ground towards first. 2-1 delivery. Robin Ventura, the Mets win 4-3. There will be a game six. And it's a deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Come run. Mike Piazza, and the Mets lead 3-2. to To left field, Floyd. And after running rough shot over the National League, the Mets have a to show for it. 2006 National League East champions. Here's the payoff pitch from Familia to Fowler on the way, and it's in there, strike three call, the Mets win the pennant, the New York Mets have won the National League pennant, put it in the box.
0: Just when we stopped the podcast yesterday, the news came down about Wilson Ramos, so we're back here on the Talking Mets Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Mike Silva. You can check me out all the time at MetsMorizedonline.com. Send me a tweet at Mike Silva Media, and you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. Would greatly appreciate if you could leave me a review on iTunes. Uh, would love to hear your thoughts. So, a really short, instant reaction to the news that came down last night, you know, about six o'clock Sunday night that the Mets signed Wilson Ramos to a two-year deal with a team option. looks like in the totality, it'll be about $26 million and the Mets finally have their catcher. And it's interesting. And I'm not really totally surprised it went this way. I'm surprised that it's Wilson Ramos because as, as I've been saying all along, it didn't seem like they were in on him. It seems like they met with him and they had some kind of dialogue, but, The rumors had them really focused on getting something done with Real Muto. It sounded like, even as recently as Saturday night, that Grandel was much higher on the list. And you also had uh, Martin Maldonado, the defensive catcher, lurking around. And I really thought that's what the backup would be because I looked at it and said they'll probably want to focus more of the money on center field, maybe bringing in another arm. Uh, upgrade from Vargas, maybe they'll figure out, you know, it's not worth uh, spending all this time on the catching situation. And the market, the catching market is very much musical chairs with just a few few chairs and everybody circling around them. And the Marlins are are, are really, you know, holding things up with this Real Muto stuff. And it just turns out the Mets, under no circumstances, were going to be able to meet the demands that the Marlins have put out there. You cannot give up multiple big leaguers on the 25-man roster, plus prospects for a catcher who is very good, just coming into his own as an elite player, I believe. I think last year was the first year. uh, Has two years before free agency. Uh, We we just don't know what kind of contract he's going to demand. It's going to be big. And really bringing him in, any of the excitement about winning that deal, and we started the offseason about, not just winning a deal and making headlines, but really going in and improving the team. That's important because there's a lot of general managers that like headlines. Winning the deal would have been finding a way to get JT Realmuto at any cost. That would have made everybody happy. Winning the offseason is about improving the team, and I think this deal improves the team. Now, it does not come without risk. Ramos, although he didn't DH a ton last year, uh, is a guy that had uh, major knee surgery, you know, tore his ACL just a couple of years ago, came back. Uh, you know. He's been uh, very productive over the last couple of years, uh, more so last year with the Rays. Uh, does not have the DH as a safe uh, haven here with the Mets. It appears from the reports, from Andy Martino's report, that it's going to be Darnot backing up Ramos, not Ploiki, that they probably would try to go out there and, and package Ploiki. makes you wonder if they could put a package together to a team either looking to trade an outfielder uh, or some kind of starter. I'm not saying you're going to get a top-end of the rotation starter, but a package with Ploiki and Lagares You get to shed some of Ligaris' salary. And maybe you go to a club that's not necessarily contending but looking to shed some salary – you get yourself a starting catcher. You get yourself a, a starting center fielder, uh, a guy that's cost-controlled, a guy you could bring back on a team option in uh, the following year. I mean, Ligaris, uh, I still think at league average, Ligaris is very uh, competent. And I still wonder if now that you have Ramos and his offensive bat in the lineup, can you, can you, can you be much more careful? Because I, I don't want to see them spend excessively on Pollock. And then not address, you know, bringing in a, a quality lefty in the bullpen. Although I don't think that'll cost that much, and I do think you need to look at the starting pitching depth. So that's where Ramos comes into play. It's a very reasonable contract. Looks like he's going to make about, you know, nine million dollars, nine and a half million dollars on annual average of the two years. You have a team option if you want to bring him back the third year. It appears, ironically, J.T. Realmuto is a free agent in two years, so it aligns very, very well with where the Mets want to be. It sounds like at some point JT Realmuto and the Mets are going to dance again, whether it be uh, in free agency. Who the heck knows what happens if the Marlins uh, at some point uh, fall out of this thing and realize and come back down to earth. They'll put them back on the market. It sounds like the Dodgers and the Rays are going to try to swing a deal with them. Uh, It'll be interesting how this goes. Obviously, they hold them into the the regular season. The, The value is going to go down, and the teams are going to squeeze them even more. At the end of the day, I think if it was a prospect-laden package, I'm not sure the Mets could compete necessarily with any of the teams they were competing with. I think that you probably had to put Rosario in the deal, and I was okay with that, but when you start to put Rosario plus, uh, that just gets too expensive. So what do you get with Wilson Ramos? I, I We've seen him in the National Leagues for a while, and he was part of a, a Nationals team that had a really good rotation. Uh, he seemed to hit the Mets like crazy, and he's not horrible at City Field, although he's got an OPS on the 700, but City Field, as we know, and we'll talk more about that, I'm trying to put a segment together about City Field before the season starts, uh, knows how to suck power out. Defensively, you have a little bit of mixed reviews on uh, framing and, and things like that, but those stats are so hard to be tangible, and they also have... Uh, play with the staffs that he was working with uh, that you have to kind of because even real Muto didn't play well in some of the advanced stats when it comes to catchers but you get yourself a solid bat you get a guy that hits lefties very well that balances out the lineup right now which is a little lefty heavy Um, you know he's not going to catch 140 games 130 games I think he's a hundred you know 10 115 maybe 120 type guy so you're really going to be relying on the backup, and I, I thought for a minute maybe they'll go after Maldonado as the backup, a guy that'll get you know, 60, 70 games, and maybe even spell if Ramos is on the DL more. I don't see that happening with Boris as his agent. I, I would think that he's going to try to get a, a deal, at least a two- to three-year deal, as a starter somewhere, or at least part of a of a heavier platoon than you'd have. With Ramos, I don't mind Darno as a backup. I've had a lot of issues with Darno. Uh, he doesn't know how to call a game. His arm, obviously, with the Tommy John surgery, who knows what that's going to look like coming back? The Mets starters have to do a better job of holding runners on. I mean, it's a lot of a large percentage of the issues, and you may even see this with Ramos is the Mets starters' inability to hold someone on. Uh, and then, but Darno, when it comes to framing, when it comes to Uh, some of the finer points of the position, he doesn't rate out that badly at all. And I don't mind him as a backup, especially if he can learn to play another position or two. It gives him a little bit of versatility uh, in case they need him to, let's say, play third base, play the outfield. I don't know if he could play the outfield. I know he played third base. Can he play first? And then if you need to do some kind of double switch and you don't want to lose your catcher, you could put Darno at another position in a long game, have him almost as the backup without... Uh, losing him to you know, or holding him on the bench and, and having to use a pitcher to hit or something like that. So that would be interesting because I know that they've, they've talked a little bit about that. But the Mets are better. And one of the most important things about this is that they really relied on Oman Minaya and his evaluation process here and Allard Baird from the Red Sox. See, the, the thing about bringing a guy from the Red Sox here, and this was reported by Andy Martino, that you have someone outside the organization giving you a fresh perspective. Yeah, Omar's just came back, but Omar has his biases and and having been a GM here and seen his uh, track record, you know, Wilson Ramos is the kind of player that he would like, you know, the kind of veteran player he would like. I think Baird giving that thumbs up coming from outside the Mets, coming from an organization that did its own type of evaluations very successfully. I think that, um, you know, that bodes well. But any result, um, the Mets are better today than they were yesterday. So now where do you want them to go? Is A.J. Pollock the answer? You know, you bring in A.J. Pollock, you know, you continue to bring in players who have some sort of sketchy injury history, but you really get a serious lineup. If you look at the lineup right now, I mean, you would assume you'd have uh, Nimmo leading off. Uh, you probably put uh, Robinson Cano third. You'd probably have to figure out, do you put uh, Conforto in the two-hole? Do you can put Conforto fourth? Um uh, you know i would think you put probably uh, frazier down more in the lineup like 6 or 7 you know you got rosario hitting eighth i guess if jeff mcneil is in the lineup instead of frazier you could put him second i think he's a good second hitter with his contact and then you put lagaris you probably put lagaris 7 rosario cuz lagaris right now would be the, the starting center fielder lagaris 7th uh, rosario 8th frazier to be somewhere in the uh, what six hole and then, Or maybe Alonzo. Alonzo probably would be in the 6th hole, and then Frazier would be 5th. See, you got to get yourself another bat. That's the interesting part. And this is where, you know, the more I look at the lineup, you're really relying on Alonzo to be much higher in the lineup uh, than than you want. Now, Ramos could probably be in that 5-6 hole as well because he's got power. So that would move Alonzo down a little bit. But I really want uh, Frazier lower in the line. I think you need to put Frazier to do damage. I really feel Frazier in a lineup with Sis. Is that a six or seven hitter? He's okay there because you're putting him down further in the lineup, and, and he profiles better on that last third of the lineup. But I always remember, and this is going to be important, it will be interesting regardless of how well he hits for power in spring training, you don't want to throw the kid in the cleanup spot or the five spot off the bat regardless mm-hmm. of what he does in Port St. Lucie because – you really want to ease him in. Even David Wright. I remember Willie Randolph, I believe, started hitting him 7th in 2005, his first year, early in the year. Didn't want to put him higher in the order. And as time went on, he moved his way up very quickly, and it didn't last that long. He proved himself. But even someone like Wright, who was highly touted, more touted than Alonzo ever will be, didn't get the middle of the order handed to him right away coming into the season. So the Mets are a better team today, and you have to be impressed because I think they have financial flexibility. I mean, I was looking at Matt E. Holt's tweet, and I went to the baseball reference salary page, and right now, if you add Wright and some of the money that uh, Seattle is saving the first year of the canoe contract, you're looking at a payroll of about $150 million. Now, that includes all of Cespedes' money. It includes all of right money, and none of that being reinvested into the team. So where do you go next? You look at the different lefty relievers personally, and, and and some are better than others clearly. But if you give me a blanket and you put underneath the blanket Oliver Perez and Tony Sipp and Justin Wilson, uh, you know Xavier Sedeño, Luis Avidan, uh, I think if you or Jorge De La Rosa, you pretty much pick one of those guys out on the, from under the blanket. You're going to have yourself a guy that should be able to give you good situational lefty work. Even Jerry Blevins, who was very spotty last year, I wouldn't be totally upset about him coming back, although I have actually, because I've seen him day in and day out, more concerns about him, but maybe he was just off um, you know, for a variety of reasons. So that, that, that could be the case there. I wouldn't even be opposed to that. The only guy that's going to make a big, big difference, and he comes with some risk, is Andrew Miller. Uh, who's you know got some injury history and um, is going to re- probably require uh, north of what Familia got in terms of the ten million dollars a year, maybe not three years, but he would be a lefty that also would have greater impact than that. What I would keep an eye on is every move the Mets have made: Ramos, Cano, uh, Familia. It wasn't something that was rumored for weeks. Like, Real Muto kept being rumored for weeks. It was something that just happened. It popped up out of nowhere. And I think the team really has their hands in a lot of things, but at the very least, it doesn't look like they're leaking the real targets they have. We were surprised. The Cano thing came out, and it happened quickly. Familia happened in the middle of the night very quickly. Ramos, they spoke to him, but it was downplayed a lot, and the Angels were actually rumored to be involved with Ramos a lot more than... Uh, anybody, and it happens. So don't discount anything. You know, the Mets saying we're done, we're not really going. I believe that, and I don't think, I'm not expecting an Andrew Miller, but you never know how things pivot, especially as the catching market now is crystallized because they may have thought they had to go much harder for Grandel, who's going to cost more years and more money. Now at Ramos, you got a really good value for a good player, and the fact that they met with the player and they spoke to the player and they really got a feel of who he is, I think that's important. It wasn't just about the metrics, things that we look at, because you, you, we don't have all the information. We don't know the guy. We weren't in the clubhouse with the guy. That's important. I think that that tells you the kind of uh, players they're trying to bring in here. They're really trying to bring in good fits, pieces that fit both on paper and the kind of players that they are. And And I think Wilson Ramos, with the experience he has in the division, he's played for really good teams in Washington, teams with good clubhouses, teams with good pitching staffs. Hopefully he stays healthy. Again, Rio Muto would have been my, my number one choice uh, if they could have made that deal. I never thought from day one they could make a deal that would make sense, where it would kept the 25-man roster intact. I would have liked Maldonado. I think that would have been a good fit, but I understand that with the way the offense is right now, uh, this is a better fit. Grandel, I've never really was... A, I always worried about the postseason performance, how the Dodgers, I know they have prospects... Have uh, catchers uh, to a certain degree, but if this guy is so good, why are they letting him walk? That was the concern I have, and and paying catchers long-term deals into their late prime, uh, or it just doesn't it doesn't sit well with me. Here, yeah, you're paying. You know, Wilson Ramos is entering his later prime, but it's only two years. You probably, if he's productive, can trade him within those two years if things go south with. The team's performance on the field, and uh, and nobody's going to say that's that's too much money. Um, so hopefully this works out. The Mets need a little bit of uh, a good karma. You know, even last year, uh, the, a lot of the contracts that they just traded, Bruce Swarzak, I didn't have a problem with how they approached the offseason. but of course you didn't anticipate Cespedes going down or all the injuries they had. You know, S- Syndergaard, some of the adjustments that they had. Uh, with Callaway coming in. You expected some of that, but maybe not to the extent. And then a horrific June. So you know, the Mets analytics department coming out of the winter meetings felt they were in the high 80s as a, as a team. I think you had Ramos. You're, you should be closer to 90 wins. And right now you're in the mix where you could compete for a division. you got more work to do. But I do believe with the current roster uh, they can compete for a division. You need to round it out with a lefty and another bat. And if they do go with Lagarus, I won't cry about that but you are relying heavily on Peter Alonzo offensively, because if he's a dud, you know, what's plan B at first base? I don't know if they could really uh, bring in that kind of depth. They're going to probably have to look at that, unless it's going to be Frazier with McNeil playing third base. That's qu- quite a bit of a possibility. So we're going to wrap up here. I thank everybody for tuning in for this uh, instant reaction, short Talking Mets podcast. We'll get more into the Mets and the roster. I don't know if – you know They're going to be making a ton of moves this week. It sounds like the Mets are going to try to move on the market rather quickly uh, before the year is out, they, at least with the catcher they did, and that was smart. We'll see how the rest of the offseason goes. But continue to check me out at Metsmarizedonline.com. Send me a tweet at MikeSilvaMedia, and as of course you can get the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much whatever podcasting service you desire. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll be back with more Talking Mets podcasts pretty soon.
1: for the park